When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, my name is Jess Phillips, and this is yours sincerely. I've always been a prolific letter writer, both the good and bad kind, and know the power of putting words to paper. So in this podcast... I want to give my guests a chance to celebrate three people that mean the world to them. Someone they love, someone who's no longer around, and someone who doesn't realise how significant a role they've played in their lives. And when we've heard more about each person, they'll reveal how they would sign off each letter. Laura Adlington is a baker, podcast host, and fashion and lifestyle influencer. In 2020, she was a finalist on The Great British Bake Off. Now she's a presenter on Steph's Pack Lunch and co-hosts the podcast, Go Love Yourself. Today, I'm excited to talk to her about the letters she would send to three people who mean the world to her. Laura, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm very excited to be on this podcast. Um, this might sound a little bit odd to you, but um, I really like your voice. I find it really like, <laughs> I don't know, like really soothing and like... I don't know, you just got a really nice voice. <laughs> Somebody once told me that um, in Israel, specifically in Tel Aviv, that they find the Birmingham accent to be very sexy uh, and that they, <laughs> this person had seen a job advert in Tel Aviv in a bar saying that they were looking for staff that specifically had to have Birmingham accent. <laughs> so wow. you and the people of Tel Aviv yeah. are... Just uh, us, no one else. <laughs> I really like that you think my voice is soothing. I think I yeah. sound like a man. No, I, like, I really like it. Well, in a really non-pervy way, can I just say. like <laughs> You perv away, Laura, I don't mind. <laughs> okay. You know, no judgment here. So this podcast is all about uh, letter writing, although I'm definitely going to talk to you about like, baking as well and get some good recipes. You know, I won the Bake Off when I went on it. You did. You did very well. I very did. well. But only because the people I was up against... Were shit. I, honestly, it I, they didn't, like, know what an onion was. <laughs> like, you know, like, I have both eaten and cooked food before. Yes. Um, and even if that is just, like, making fish fingers, uh, mash and peas for my kids every day, that would have been... I was basically a cordon bleu chef compared to them. So it was not really... I didn't win in a level playing field. Right, you're just the best of a bad bunch. Day. I think I was the best of a bad bunch. And one of them didn't even turn up for the second day. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, really, it was a depleting <laughs> field that, that I was... Uh, yeah, big nasty. Yeah. One day was he ill or something, wasn't he? Yeah, he was... He, he just was, couldn't be bothered. Was he hungover? Ill, apparently. Ill in yeah, air quotes. Yeah. I thought yeah. that. I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't wish to slander the good name of Big Nasty, but he, he didn't come the next day. 
Um, he was Hilarious. very. He was a lot of fun on the day that he was there, though. Yeah, he wrote um, a brilliant rap about me. Or what? Did he? I feel like a hun- I'm a hundred years old now saying this. Like he wrote a brilliant rap about me. I sound like I'm going to need you to like recite it. You know uh, well, it was. I, I mean, I, I can't remember exactly how it went, but it was called Treasure Chest. Right. And it was because I was talking to him about when I eat things, because obviously we're eating quite a lot of things. That like at the time I had quite big boobs. I don't know. So well, they're still quite big, but not not as big as they were. And you know, like you might understand this. Things fall down your bra. Oh, always crumbs. Yeah, like crumbs. Yeah, sausages. Yeah, loads of things. Yeah, I've yeah, like yeah. I've like taken my bra off at night, and there's been like twenty pence in there. Yeah, and, like, it's like midnight snack central, isn't it? Yeah, like, oh, there's what's always edible? crumbs. There yeah. is always crumbs yeah, yeah. without question, or like a skittle. Um, <laughs> and I was telling him this, and he he was absolutely enamoured, and so he basically started saying this ditty that was called Treasure Chest about uh, which was oh, really clever that's really clever yeah he came up with it just on the spot i was like that no way you're like shakespeare genius yeah i am i'm a keen baker really now after doing that and you know obviously being a star baker obviously uh, that i am so uh, do you write many letters do you send make biscuits and send them to people with notes written on the biscuits that would be a good idea yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like a bad human for not doing that now. Thank you. <laughs> I've received a note on a biscuit Have you? on more than one occasion. Have you? Yeah. Oh, nice. No, oh, I've never a done woman that. woman sent me a massive biscuit to the office. When I say massive, I mean like the size of a table. What? And it was like, you know, good luck in the election. Uh, this is to keep you and the team going. It's like a oh, table. Oh, that's so biscuit. nice. That's really cute. Now, mm-hmm. I don't really like making biscuits, if I'm going to be honest, because like you can buy them for 30p from Tesco's. Like, why? <laughs> why do people spend their life making biscuits? Like, You're I make right. the odd shortbread with my nieces, but honestly, like they are not as good as the ones you buy at the supermarket. You're just right. not, are they? So. Yeah. Controversial point. My husband says uh, he's never watching the Bake Off ever again until they bring Pie Week back. Discuss. <laughs> yeah, fair point. Fair why point. Did why, they take did it they, away? why did they get rid of Pie Week? It was the best. I would have smashed that week to yes. shit. I would have absolutely annihilated them all. I also, love a pie. Did you know they don't have pies in France? My sister they don't have French, pies. And she she didn't know what a pie was. Oh, no. Can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, you can okay. say whatever the fuck, fuck you Fuck off. <laughs> they don't have pies in France. Like, you know, they have like tarts. They have. It's not like they aren't aware of pastry. They just aren't aware you can put it well, on yeah, top Yeah, I mean, they're pretty things. famous for their pastry, Jess. But like, yes. Jesus Christ, like, how could you not have a pie? I so mean, the... to be fair, they're quite delicate, aren't they? Like in France, I mean, whereas we're over here, we're just like, give me pie and mash. Yeah. All the carbs. If they just turned over a tort. Yeah. <laughs> on the plate. It would be a pie. And actually, when you make a tart to tan, you put the pastry on top, don't you? And then you yeah. bake it and then yeah, you turn it knows, out. Yeah, she knows. She knows the they, stuff. Oh, I've made a tart to tan a few <laughs> times in my life. So actually, that is a pie. It is kind of... No, I feel like the definition of a pie is that it has a lid, right? It has a lid and a bottom. I don't yeah, it's like got a, have a bottom without a bottom as well. Yeah, it's not a soggy I'm, bottom. We can't do soggy bottom. Short crust on the bottom. Puff on the Puff top. Puff on top. That is the best pie combination. What's the best <laughs> filling, though? What's the best um, filling? You know, I'm, I actually, I like all the pie fillings, I think. Yeah. I, like anything in a pie. I often just like to make a dinner and then just turn it into a pie the next day. So, you know, like a birth bourguignon, whack it in a pie. Oh, nice. Good idea. Yeah, that is, yeah. I mainly like a chicken and mushroom. 
from the fish and chip shop. They're the best chicken and mushroom pies. Oh, they're so good. They're like, <laughs> well, they're really crapper, aren't they? Like really bad quality, but they just taste gelatinous. amazing. The, is it the pucker pies, isn't it? It's and like, you've got to tip it upside down. So there's like jellified pastry on the bottom. And then you flip it over so that, yeah, oh, they're so good with like loads of really big fat chips. You're making me hungry now. <laughs> I'm going out for dinner at Birmingham University with the cha- the vice chancellor. So hopefully they'll be uh, serving pies. No. Nah. pies. <laughs> uh, but you never know. Um, so are you much of a letter writer? Now that I know no, you're a pie really. enthusiast. No. Pie enthusiast, yes. Letter writer, probably not so much. I mean... I can't actually remember the last letter that I wrote. That's really bad, isn't it? Not really. Do you write Christmas cards or cards to people to say thank you? Or Yeah, I do that. I do that. But I, I find, because I'm like, I do everything digitally now, even like writing things down, like I'm like, my handwriting is so bad because I'm just not used to it. I should write more. I would like to write more. Um, do you send yeah. lots of emails to people you love there? No probably come on the wrong podcast haven't i i mean laura i feel like your family and friends deserve better she's all i can say do you send them cakes oh this is the thing right so this, i'm sure this is like everyone that's gonna bake off is like you cannot go anywhere without people being like oh where's the cake and it gets so boring honestly like yeah. oh it's like you, well yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna say laura that's slightly better than everybody for four years of your life talking to you about brexit oh really Mm-hmm. Okay. I'd rather someone ask me about cake than <laughs> the European Union. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world, but yeah. No, I do. I love to bake for people that I love. Like that is, I think probably the reason why I got into it really. Um, giving someone, make, like spending time on something and making something lovely for someone and then having them enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Like that's a really nice feeling. My husband just bought me a cup of tea and I imagine that that is is because he also likes to make things for people. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, that was cute. I I can't get my husband to pick up his pants from the floor, so... Really? Oh, God. No, I mean, well... husband. Yeah. My husband moans at me. I'm the husband in this situation. I leave my pants (laughs) on the floor. In fact, this morning, because the cleaner came... He had gone round and picked up all my knickers from around the bed because he didn't, <laughs> you know, savage. to try and save my blushes about the cleaner. See, like me and the cleaner were like Bessies. I don't care if she sees my knickers, if I'm honest, but <laughs> we're oversharers, me and my cleaner. Nice, um, love it. Do you have any letters that you keep, though? Do you have any, like, special letters written by somebody, like, love letters or letters from the Queen or the letter that you... Did you get a letter to say that you'd got on to Bake Off? No, they phoned me. It was oh. the same day we went into lockdown. Like, literally, on the lunchtime, they phoned me, like, you've made it into the tent. And I was like, no. Oh, my God. So excited. And then literally, five o'clock, so two hours after I just phoned, like, my family and, like, my best friend. Then Boris, we watched it. I used to work in a comm scene. We had it on the telly in the room. And it was like, the world's going to end. <laughs> we're like, oh, great. Um, I do have, speaking of letters, so one letter that I do have that like is really, really important to me is from my stepmum. And it was given to me by my dad on my wedding day about, oh, this is really bad, but I don't remember, three and a half, four years ago. Um, and uh, so like my mum and dad split up when I was like 16, 17. Like it was just like the worst time ever. Like I think I was 
going through like a really horrible period like I didn't really have any friends I was a complete loser at school and I just hated it basically and I like didn't really have like boyfriends I had like no self-esteem like confidence issues and then that happened and I was like oh my god it was it was the worst and um but my stepmom came into my life and she's just like the most amazing person like she's so special um like I absolutely love my mum like we get on really well but my mum like I guess a lot of people have like sort of not say strange relationships with their mothers but like it can be kind of um difficult I guess like my mum was always on a diet right Mm. so always worried about appearance and things like that and when I met Maria She's just so like, she just doesn't give a shit about anything like that. She's like, mate, it's just vanity. You're a long time dead. Don't be a tart. Like, she just, she's <laughs> Can so I just say, like... that one sentence makes me think that she is the greatest woman alive. She, you would get on really well, actually. <laughs> You're actually quite similar. But she's like a, she's an NHS community nurse. So she deals with like the dead and the dying all mm. day, right? So her humour is very, it's quite dark. Because I think in that job, like, you, she said like, you, it just has to be because you just, you just laugh well, to kind of, to cope. It's like um, in domestic abuse services you you know the amount of gallows humor and if you didn't you wouldn't get through it exactly yeah so she's hilarious she taught me all these like weird and wonderful sayings and yeah like talking of pies she used to always used to say like if we had a dinner and it was like I don't know, a bit kind of like salad or whatever. She'd be like, oh, air pile, walk round, that is. Air pile, walk round. <laughs> and uh, she's just so funny. And she's the the person really that got me into baking because she used to say to me, to feed someone is to love them. Um, and I just love that. I think that's so nice. Um, so I've definitely really had a lot of love and a lot of really good hot dinners from Maria. Um, but yeah, so on my wedding day, she just wrote me a lovely letter. and It just had me like crying my eyes out. She was just saying like, we are really close and she was just saying about how proud she was of me like not because I was getting married she was like I couldn't Mm. give a toss about that because she was (laughs) she just said I'm just really proud to know you and just to love you and I'm so you know honoured that I get to be in your life and yeah it was just really lovely I'm gonna try not to cry Laura oh my mother-in-law who was like a second mum to me my mum died when I was uh, 29 so 11 years ago um and my mother-in-law she was became like a mum to me and I in fact I wrote a book last Mother's Day called just a little book called Mother and um, I dedicated it to my mother-in-law um, and I dedicated it to, to all the mother-in-laws and stepmoms who I feel literature has given a dreadful write-up to because stepmoms get presented as like you, they're basically going to poison you or lock you in a cellar <laughs> Those are the options for stepmoms and yeah. stepdads are only going to abuse you. Like, that's it. Those are, you know, yeah. like stepmoms and dads get such a dreadful write up in literature and mother-in-laws are just horrible nags who everybody hates mm. and rolls their eyes at. And that is just not my experience of stepmotherhood uh, in my uh, own family, but also not of mother-in-laws. But very, very sadly, my mother-in-law died on Friday. Uh, very, oh. very, very suddenly. Oh, um, Jess, sorry. Yeah, so luckily, actually, in the meaning of this podcast, I didn't feel like there was anything uh, I'd left unsaid with her. She knew that I loved her and mm. uh, I, I knew she loved me and the kids and my husband. But it is like mother-in-laws and stepmoms deserve way better than they get. <laughs> yeah. So that is a lovely thing yeah, to hear good. about. You've got me going now. I've got a bit shiny eyes. <laughs> Jesus Christ, what's wrong with me? Also, the sort of the people who choose you, choose to make you their mums 
um like if you treat somebody like they're your granny they will start to be your granny you know what i mean like that's the that's the thing is if you treat somebody like they're your mom and the or that they're like a mom to you yeah then that's it they will behave that way i actually put in um in a mother's card this year i didn't fall out you're funny but i love you like i did or something <laughs> like that um <laughs> i mean i much i mean i'm i'm never not lecturing my children about what they did to my fanny so um <laughs> I, I sort of like people better who didn't fall out of my fanny because I that I, you know like when I sit down I'm not reminded of them <laughs> <laughs> or jumping up and down yeah exactly when I desperately need a wee and cannot wait I don't really dislike my son's friends whereas I think my 10 pound 10 ounce son I think this was you mate I do wonder whether it is like easier. Like I said, I think with like with mums, it can be quite a uh, like I would choose to yeah. be friends with her. Like she just, yeah, she's mm. just an amazing person. Like she really is. And she doesn't know it either. Like that's the other thing. Like I don't know. She's just really special. And I think for me as well, like growing up, growing up, like always the fat kid, always the fat teenager or whatever. And she just doesn't give a shit about appearances. And I really love that. I think it's so refreshing in this day and age. Yeah. And so, like, when I got on, like, Bake Off and, like, things I've been doing since, like, I do a lot of plus-size fashion on, like, my Instagram and that because it's really hard when you're bigger to find nice clothes. Yeah. And she'll just text me again, you look like a twat in that dress. <laughs> and, it, and, like, and I love that. And she bought, she bought me a T-shirt for Christmas, right, which said, Lost in Showbiz. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, like, no, no harm, no risk, sorry, of getting, having love an it. ego with her. I love it. I think you're right there about the whole sort of, you know, like being big and like the world is not made for my, I, I've got a friend, um, Jess, who recently she lost absolutely shed loads of weight. Um, but she was like, people treat her like morally. She's a different person. You know, yeah. like so from being able to see it from both sides of the coin, mm. uh, like she has a different morality. Yeah, she's yeah, the same yeah. person. She thinks the same things. She behaves in many of the same ways. Most mm. of it, almost exactly the same. Her morality hasn't changed, but there was some sort of moral defect of her being fat, essentially. Oh yeah, and it's true, and it's you know something that I'm really trying to kind of fight against. I think yeah, growing up, I always felt like I was less of a person, and it's it's strange. I always think that when you're in a bigger body, you're you're kind of in, invisible to the world, but you're also hyper visible. <laughs> and, you know, you're either kind of desexualized or fetishized as a bigger kind yeah. of person, as a woman, especially. Um, and I think the world, we have an obsession. Um, I was about to say as a nation, but I think it's worldwide well, that this obsession yeah. that like thin is good and fat is bad. And it's not about health. It's a lot no. of us, the time it's under the guise of health, but it's not. It's about thin. Thin is good fat is bad and I think I do think things are getting better but we're not there yet um I just don't like the way that we are treated like second class citizens um there are a lot of reasons basically why people are bigger mm-hmm. um it's it's a lot more nuanced than kind of like being lazy or just not moving more and kind of eating mm-hmm. less it's very easy on paper like I have been guilty of looking at other people and being like it's not hard Sharon like eat less mm-hmm. move more but actually, honestly, the reality of it, when you are bigger and this kind of like compulsive eating and stuff, oh, we're going a bit yeah. deep here, aren't we? But <laughs> it is very difficult. I, I just, I would like there to be a bit more compassion and a bit more understanding for people in bigger yeah. bodies. 
I've had disordered eating all of my life. Have you? Um, all of my life. I've been incredibly thin and um, and fat. I've been both um, morbidly obese and uh, dangerously underweight. Um, and I, I sort of... Actually, it was the lockdown that broke it a little bit for me. Um, just a sort of ability to sort of focus on health, I think, more. And yeah. because it was a pandemic that was about your health, I just became really weary of my health and moving more and things. Um, also, I'm not going to lie, Laura, I just had some cosmetic surgery. I had my boobs made smaller. Oh, nice. Um, Good so, you. you know, there was no moving more. There's just paying more. Um, <laughs> there's, there's no morality in what I did um, <laughs> I just paid to have my boobs made smaller and uh, yeah the amount that, of eating that is emotional and if you don't have that you don't understand it that's the thing I think but, yeah. I mean if you it's, it's like anything you can't explain motherhood to somebody who doesn't have a child or, or certainly not the downsides of it to somebody who might want to have a child you end up just sounding like an absolute knob um, mm. who's ungrateful. Um, but yeah, the you can't explain disordered eating to somebody who hasn't had it. It's like, I, think, I imagine, it's like any uh, addiction and disordered substance misuse. It's so know. true. And like I think it's important to say that like you can't be addicted to food because it's like something you need to live. It's like saying yeah. I'm addicted to oxygen. But the feeling of feeling addicted to food is like, is very real. Like, yeah, definitely an emotional eater. Like, I eat when I'm happy and I'm sad. and It's not yeah. about just, like, I'm very sad and I'm going to eat ice cream as if I'm, like, Rachel from Friends and I've just <laughs> had my boyfriend break up with me. It's not like that. <laughs> it's not... Uh, uh, and also, like, she ever ate any ice cream. Yeah, oh, God, did she eat ice cream? <laughs> um, it's like those people who say, I can just eat anything. And I think we, you don't eat six packets of biscuits in one sitting. So you, you can't eat anything. I do that. <laughs> you too would look like me if you did that. Um, like, you, you, oh, I can eat anything. You don't. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I do eat yeah. anything. Or they'll have like a McDonald's burger, but that's all they'll eat all day. So it's like, yeah, that's why you're <laughs> slim. Like, I'll have that and my dinner and some chocolate. Like, yeah, it's a struggle. And it's weird. It's weird for me because like, I've always been like quite disciplined in my other areas of my life. And I've always yeah. had like you know a really good steady job and like you know my good marriage like friendships and work-wise everything as well just the food thing I just have never been able to really get a grip on it yeah Um, but I don't know we've all got every time I think that I have got a grip on it which I did for uh about the last two years you know it will start to slip away from you and maybe I can you know I'll, I'll, I'll get back in control of it but I just think that's my whole life is just a cycle of disordered eating. I just, and I've sort of learned to accept that now. Like, yeah. And you desperately try not to give it to your children. Like any of your disorders trying, so you saying that your mum was always on the diet, my children know the carbs in everything. And that oh, is, you know, I'm, I'm done for, frankly. I've, I've, I've ruined them already. I've broken oh, them. No, I've given them many upsides, Laura. Don't worry, I've given them many upsides. <laughs> and that one little downside of having a disordered eating mother is I'm willing not to beat myself up too much about that. No, you shouldn't. You no. shouldn't. It's hard, <laughs> though. Like, I think we've all got kind of weird issues with food. Like, I think most people have it mm-hmm. at, at some level. But I just think, I think I've got to the age now where I just realise that actually 
like diets really don't work and statistically they don't for 95 percent of people they don't work like you said i think the focus is more on health for me now so yeah. i've always thought oh, I'm, if i exercise it's because i need to burn something off or if because yeah. i need to lose weight and now i'm trying to think actually why don't i exercise because i love my body rather than because i hate it and i want to punish it yeah. so it's like moving intuitively eating intuitively i'm trying like christ like i don't expect anyone to kind of look to me for any advice <laughs> as like, i am I'm but really i just think I, I, it should I won't be about be health a diet book anytime soon don't no, me neither, mate. Like me me. It's, it's, it's a stupid thing to try and do. <laughs> so I've asked you to think of three people who uh, essentially that you, you, you're, want, you're grateful for uh, in one way or another and, and think about the letter that you would write them. So the first one is somebody who means the world to you. So who are you going to pick? So I'm actually picking again my stepmum. So I'll just like, you can just skip over this bit because I've already gone on about her. That's all right. It's good because we are not keeping to time and I am dreadful at this. So that's good (laughs) that you're picking your stepmum. What's her name? Maria. Maria. Yeah. Maria. How do you solve a problem like Maria? (laughs) Um, Yeah. No, she's just an incredible woman. And I think she came into my life at like a really crap time. And uh, again, like I said before, I just... I didn't really want her in my life. Um, but then we just became like really good friends. Uh, it wasn't always easy. Like I think the fact that my mum left my mm. dad and then she moved into our family home, that was quite strange for me. That's quite as, unusual as well. It's very unusual, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to adapt really quickly to there being like another mother figure in the house. But she cooked banging dinners, so I was well happy about that. Honestly, these she her philosophy is always like she... <laughs> So she said that when she dies, she wants on her gravestone to have uh, never knowingly undercated because she hates people being hungry. So she used to f- literally cook dinners for 10 people just in case people popped in. Um, I think so, that's a working class thing. I just yeah. think it's a working class trait. And yeah. I see it mainly now in the sort of big Asian working class community in my constituency. Yeah. Is that the idea that you won't go in and eat. And at the moment, we're about to go into Ramadan. Mm. And honestly, I my house is going to be full of food um, where people just run up and down the road and give it to you at like nine o'clock at night. Um, and I just think it is this idea that if you can if you can feed somebody, you can set them on their way. And it's sort of the only control, I think, that a lot of working class people have. But my nan had it like she said, I haven't got much in. I mean, you've come round and I wasn't expecting you. And then you'd walk into her living room and it would literally be a spread that like, <laughs> you know, the queen had at her yeah. wedding. It's just like she's like, it's only a few Kit Kats. <laughs> like, nan, this is more food than anyone could ever eat. Yeah, I love, I love that. <laughs> My land's the same. She's always got a drawer full of penguins, like no matter what. Nans, chocolate bars, <laughs> what they just it? always the have chocolate bars. And, and the chocolate biscuits, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't make a penguin bar as good as a penguin bar, could you? I mean, you just literally no, couldn't. That's what I mean. Why bother <laughs> trying to make it when you can buy it and it's that good? Yeah, and you get like eight for one pound at Poundland. Yeah, so. bargain. And they wonder why everyone's bloody fat. <laughs> <laughs> Poundland, definitely. I mean, yeah. I bought buying biscuits from Poundland. <laughs> I just, it's like in lockdown as well, it's just sort of like it was a treat to go to Poundland. <laughs> yeah. It was, um, wasn't it? It was like anything to get by. Anything. It was brilliant. So you were in the tent during lockdown then? Yeah, like I literally found out I was so on Did you have to like live there? Yeah. So um, we all bubbled up together for seven weeks. Uh, so, so you were like, away from your family? Yeah. 
uh, and I'm a real home bird so I found it mentally very difficult um and physically as well it was like long days it was like seven weeks um start to finish working every day like very very long days in the heat wave as well and then know, yeah and they make you wear the clothes that you were wearing at the start like for continuity and I yeah. wore a cardigan yeah and a jumper and then I was like oh, I'm no. going to fucking die in here <laughs> This and I was only doing it for two days. Yeah. I was like, "That this is like, you, screw your continuity." And so then they had to film me really dramatically taking it off. <laughs> and then they were like, "Oh, yeah. but actually, you might need to put it back on again." I was like, "That this is ridiculous." Yeah, they were saying with the hair as well. They were like, "You need to put your hair up at a certain point." Like it's all continuity, I guess. I get it, but yeah, no, it was really intense filming it. Like, and it was really hard for me being away from like my family mm. and my husband Matt um but yeah it was amazing like I'm really grateful for it especially because like I get to do what I do now which is really awesome um but yeah it was it was it was a lot harder than I think like people just think oh you're going on a, on a baking show and I'm like yeah no and it obviously I was a big fan of the bake-off before that mm. so it was a big dream like to go on it I think How did you I practice if you were all bubbled up were you in a house where you could practice so we all stayed in a hotel where the hotel where it was filmed. Yeah. So we had two days filming and then two days practice. In the, we had like practice kitchens oh, um, okay. next to our rooms in the hotel. So I did a lot yeah. of practicing. Did you? Oh yeah. Well, you would have done. You would have had to have done to get Star yeah. Baker. Mm. Oh yeah, I did a lot of practicing. Yeah. Um, with my mother-in-law, I made oh. honey biscuits out of her the honey from her beehive. Oh, that's um, so cute. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's a, she was an absolutely incredible baker. We used to say that she should go on the Bake Off. Really? And that we were we were going to enter her, but she said uh, because she, she said I wouldn't cope with the stress, and I'd just say fuck and cunt every five seconds, and then I'd get kicked <laughs> off. <laughs> I did get told off once. <laughs> It's just like I wouldn't be able to cope with any of the stress, and I'd just swear all the oh, time. Oh, I love her. Yeah, I love so, her. Um, but she's she was an amazing uh, baker, actually yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, really, really, really amazing. Um, so Maria, does she bake a lot? This is the thing, right? So she, her dream job is to be a school dinner lady. I don't know why she isn't actually. My nan was a school dinner lady, hence the need to provide an enormous buffet. Yeah. <laughs> right uh, but she can't bake for shit she hates baking she just doesn't oh, it's a bit sciencey isn't it true to be fair and I it's have not, not like logical brains so I don't know way. why I like baking mm. but you're right yeah no it is a, it's a more more of a science thing which I think was why Peter did so well yeah he's precise yeah yeah not my forte that <laughs> hence the Freddie All Mercury like, I mean you are sort of taking the love out of it when you have to use a ruler do you know what I mean thank like... you right <laughs> Really like, I, I just, just wanted, wanted to, to make some nice biscuits good. for the kids and now I'm measuring out 2.5 inches. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, what the hell? Like, everybody yeah. bakes with a ruler at home. My bakes literally on Bake Off were like, looked like shit, tasted great. That was literally <laughs> all the, every single time, Pre was like, oh, I feel like I've got grandmother <laughs> day again, Laura. She was like, looks a mess, tastes wonderful. I was <laughs> like, okay, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, totally. Because, like, that's not how people actually live. It's like my husband's like really annoyed that like now we, we all like say the word genuine sponge as if it's like common parlance. It's like, you know, in the early days of the Bake Off, it was like, oh, you know, 
a January sponge was like an exciting thing. Yeah, and now, yeah. like, all of the things that people do on the Bake Off are not pies, much to his chagrin, <laughs> uh, is, uh, is, is like, oh, it's just like everybody knows now how to make, like, you know, egg white sponges and... yeah. It's not so fancy. It's not so fancy anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like we strictly come dancing. We can all be like great fleckle. No idea what I'm saying. <laughs> I love it. Like watching shows like strictly like, oh, oh, her leg was way too low there. Yeah, that's it. Sat on my sofa, like eating popcorn, like stuffing no in my rise face. Haven't moved there. for no days. No rise and fall in that Viennese waltz. <laughs> Do I know? I didn't even know what a Viennese waltz yeah. was. I mean, honestly, I used to no, do that all the time. I still do though. Like considering my track record, and I'll be watching like the new series of Bacon, and I'm like, oh, idiot! Why did I do that? <laughs> I would have done that. <laughs> oh dear. So, um, how would you sign off a letter to Maria then? How would you? You're a massive you cunt, can... and I still love you. <laughs> And like, but I love your ridiculous amounts. Probably something like that, because yeah, we call each other like slag, and like cunt, and it's just I don't know if anyone else has a relationship like that with their stepmom, but I just think it's brilliant. I just it love is it. Brilliant. Your siblings? Do, do you all feel that way, or is it like special between no. you and her? No, I mean, like, not that they're like they don't get on or anything. Like, <laughs> but it's just I think we do have a special bond. It's yeah, it's nice. My mum's parents got divorced when in the nineteen fifties, totally unheard of. Mm. Um, and my nan remarried when she was seventy, and my granddad and my step granddad were best friends. They didn't know each other before, but they became just like the best friends in the whole world and got on with each other really well. But I mean, my nan had been divorced from him for like 15, 20 years by the time they got together. So like, you know, and he was a rogue to my nan. So, you know, uh, there was no love lost. So it was, but they were like best friends and I really, and he wrote him into the will that he had to be able to live in the house. Yeah, you know, like, it's an unusual story. Oh, wow. Um, But families are weird now. Blended families are much more common and it's much, you know, people are much more civilised about this sort of thing these days, like, oh, that you have to be wow. able to live in the house. Yeah, you know, like, it's an unusual story. Yeah. Um, but families are weird now. Blended families are much more common and it's much, you know, people are much more civilised about this sort of thing these days. Like, and that's 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 a good thing because it used to be, even in the 80s when I was a kid, let alone in the 50s when my p- mum's parents got divorced, it was tense. It was much more tense that people can, like stepbrothers and stepsisters. And I suppose that's where all that horrible literature comes from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We do need to change that narrative, though. You're right, because it isn't, it's not true, is it? And I think, like, yeah, like, my relationship with Maria is proof that, like, it can work and be more than just work. It can be, you know, really, like, enriching and, and, like, life-enhancing. Yeah. Good old Maria. She sounds, by the way, a total fucking legend. You would love her, honestly. really feel like we should hang out. She'd, like, Um, yeah. I'm happy for her to cook me a dinner, and I am never knowingly underfed. (laughs) <laughs> um, because even when I'm on some ridiculous diet, even in those circumstances, I was raised that if you go to somebody's house, it doesn't matter if you're a vegetarian, my mum said, it's only chicken nuggets, just eat it. <laughs> uh, she said, if someone makes you meat, you eat it. <laughs> like, you know, I would never, ever feel that I could put upon somebody my own ridiculous neuroses. You eat what you give. Even if I was on a ridiculous diet, she could, she could cater for me. 
So, the second person we asked you to think about was somebody who's no longer around. So, who would that be? So, I don't want to jinx this, uh, but I've been really lucky in my life and I haven't lost anyone really close to me. But my, my granddad, so my dad's dad, died when my nan was pregnant with my dad. Oh, same as my dad. My dad never met his dad. Yeah. Oh, wow. Because he died before she, he was born. He was 19. Yeah. I don't think he was much older, um, my granddad. And uh, him and my nan had been trying for my dad for five years. Um, and funnily enough, her dad died in a motorbike accident when her mum was pregnant. And then the same thing yeah, happened. So when my mum was pregnant, uh, you know, she was like terrified. My dad was, you know, like thinking, oh God, like is it going to happen to me sort of thing? Not that he's superstitious. But it's weird because I think like sometimes when, um, this might sound really insensitive, but I think sometimes when people die, we kind of romanticise them we and their totally life a little bit them. or a lot. Mm. Um, but it's really weird. I think like getting the kind of sense that I do about my granddad, his name was Huey. Um, I talk to like family about him a lot. And so my dad does as well. And, you know, I just, I just genuinely get the sense that he was a really lovely, kind man. He served in the RAF. Um, and was very popular, like had loads of friends and was just really good to my nan. Like they were just really, everyone just says how madly, madly in love they were. Mm. Um, and like, I just, he, it's weird like how someone can have a legacy with, like that you've never, that you've never met. Mm. But like my dad says to me, um, my dad's like a self-employed bricklayer, like very working class, like proper, like, like him and Maria, like knees up mother Brown, <laughs> like that kind of thing. And, um, and he, he cries all the time because he's like, I just, it's weird. He's like, I just miss him. I just miss him. And it's weird oh, how you weird. can miss someone that you've never met. But it was like, I think about him every single day. Um, and I remember one Father's Day. So we've got this really ridiculous, horrible tradition. Every Father's Day, we drive an hour to Dover and we get in the sea, me and my dad and my brother. That's, that is mad. It's ridiculous. It's freezing cold. But we have this tradition and I don't know why or even how it started. But I remember one Father's Day driving down and then that song, um, Luther Vandross, Dance With My Father Again, came on. Oh, yeah. And all three of us, without even looking at each other or saying a word, were just like crying, like snot bubble crying. Weird how music can do that to you, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Um, but yeah, I would love to meet him. I would love, more importantly, I would just love my dad to to get to finally meet him because God, that is just so yeah. that is just so much unsaid. Did your nan go on to remarry? She she did, but it was a very um, oh, I don't really know like how much to say. It was a not a nice relationship. It wasn't a nice mm. man. See, my dad's nan, my my dad's mom. My grandma Peggy, she remarried uh, when my dad was like six years old. And this was in like, you know, the early 1950s to a lovely, lovely man um, who was, as far as I was concerned, was my granddad. And to, mm. as far as my dad was concerned, was his dad. Um, not as far as he was concerned, he was his dad. Yeah. Um, again, another example of a good step parent, mm. terribly written about. Um, and so my dad never really... Um, felt the gap, I suppose, of, of a father figure in his life because he had one. Yeah. But also, he, you know, he was always like, I don't I don't want to romanticise this man because it's sort of like it would be an insult to his father and his brother, right. um, who was a brother from um, his stepdad. I don't think he did feel that gap in his life. 
but I suppose this podcast is all about things unsaid and having never met your father it must be like only your imagination and the things that you've been told the world that has been created is mm. the one you have and there must be so much you want to fill it with it must be really hard that yeah I can't imagine it I can't imagine like that much instead it's like because it's everything yeah and like even like on my wedding day he was like oh I just I just wish he was here like it's weird like even he's like I know it's weird and he's not it is weird, but it's kind of nice. I like it. I like it's. It's not an experience I've ever heard before. Even though I have a similar familial experience. Joe Cox, the MP, was killed. She was my friend. And like oh, you would, you so know, sad. if you were to read about her, it's like she was the greatest saint on earth. Like literally, and you know, mm. I I loved the woman. Don't get me wrong, but she was also a put of a pain in the ass about some <laughs> things. Like you know, no one ever says when someone's like murdered or dies yeah. suddenly when you're doing the vox pops of the neighbours. So people either say one of two things that how lovely people were, or that they kept themselves to themselves. <laughs> those are the two. Those are the two options for the neighbour of a dead person. I always um, think that. I always <laughs> think that at funerals, and it's like, did you just did you just get this script off of Google? Like they were yeah. like they were loving. They were cut, like how boring yeah, it is, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Exactly. Like, I'm funnily, I mean, I'm having to write the eulogy of my mother-in-law at the moment, and I am really, really like certain about putting in stuff that is the reality yeah. of her. You know. She was not always polite to waiting staff. <laughs> <laughs> not in a bad way, but she didn't have that British thing where, you know, when people say, is everything all right? And you go, yeah, everything's fine. She was like, well, no, actually, this was this was a little dry and this should have been warmer and this was better the last time I came. I was like, that's, <laughs> that's embarrassing, but okay. But that's what makes a person. We're all human, like I said. Like, let's not romanticise it. Is, like. Yeah. I often think about that if like when my when my nan goes because she's you know she's 85 she's getting on a bit and she she's lovely but she can be quite difficult and I just remember if I, I always I always I don't know why maybe that's a bit morbid but thinking like if I was to ever speak at a funeral like I wouldn't just be like oh she was the best she's the best nan because yeah. she's my nan she's amazing but I think also it's really important to go she was so scatty she's always <laughs> like late she'd always forget whose Christmas presents were what because that's what you remember isn't it yeah, that's what makes a person. Yeah. It's much better. And when you have an absence of that, because you never got to know them, you will only ever hear the good stuff. And that is that is a big void, I think. Yeah. That makes the absence greater, actually. You're right. Your You're so right. The alternative, you know, knowing even just something slightly, like, amusing or bad, negative about somebody actually builds a, a real person, and that is a big absence, so... What would you mm. say then to your granddad, Huey? It's a great name. I mean, he started good, well by having a great name, yeah. Huey. He sounds like a lovely person. Yeah. Um, what would you say if you could write him a letter? Oh, I feel myself get really emotional. I didn't expect that. Sorry. Um... So it happens to literally everybody. <laughs> oh, I would just say that... Um like we we miss you and um and that like i suppose just that everyone's okay um but that you're like your legacy is like really kind of like lived on in in us and my dad and i thank you so much for my dad because he's my absolute world and my hero um and i just would be so so lost without him uh so i guess oh yeah we'd just say that and maybe meet you one day for a pint yeah 
somewhere else. Yeah, <laughs> Not I don't know. I mean, I've just been watching The Good Place with my kids, and um, like I, I, I don't believe in the afterlife or anything. Um, I don't, I, you know, I believe here is where your family, my family, should be with me. Um, but there is a little part of me that thinks it would be nice if we could just hang out later on. That I'm happy to hold on to. What that looks like, I don't know, but I, I'm, yeah. I'm happy to think, well, maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's the case. It would be better if it was, wasn't it? Oh, it would be nice. Although then you'd be stuck with them for eternity. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So, the final person is somebody who doesn't know what an effect they've had on your life. So, who would that be? <laughs> oh, God. I found myself literally dying with embarrassment saying this, right? But, um, you know, like, we talk about, like, like role models and things like that. But, um, so, when I was growing up, like, I was, like I said, I was, like, the fat kid. I felt like a complete outsider. And uh, and I just found, I remember hearing uh, Pink, the singer, her first, no, it wasn't her first album, it was her second album, Misunderstood, for the first time, and the song Family Portrait, and I was just like, oh my God, because like, my mum and dad didn't get on, and they were always rowing and stuff, and I was like, oh my God, I feel seen, and I think every teenager feels like they're not seen or heard or represented, but for the first time, I was like, oh my God, this woman's incredible. She's so empowering. And I think I struggled a lot with my sexuality as well. When I was younger, I was really confused. And she just made me feel like it was okay to be a freak. Um, and it's I think I feel so lucky in that it's really rare that like the person that you loved music-wise as a child, that like like even now, I still absolutely fucking love her and her music. Like maybe even more so. Um, I feel like I've sort of grown with her and her music and stuff. And I found that on the darkest days of my life and that, I just listen to her music and it just makes me feel 
Like, it just makes me feel so much better about you everything. You shouldn't feel embarrassed by this. Other people have okay. said, like, Taylor Swift or... Like, you know, <laughs> oh, I feel you... much better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, not everybody. I mean, some people are like, I read this amazing, like, you know, academic document and it changed <laughs> my career and all that, and this person who wrote it would never know. Some people say that. But, you know, largely this section is the Taylor Swift section. Uh, <laughs> okay. So pink is, a, pink is a really, really good choice. Um, and... Yeah, it's funny when you sort of grow up with many of the people who I really liked when I was a kid died. Oh. Um, you know, like I was a massive Nirvana fan and Kirk yeah. killed himself. And yeah, I mean, I was, uh, how old are you, Laura? 32. Yeah, see, I'm, I've nearly got 10 years on you. So I was in the era of very, very big drug taking rock stars, <laughs> the grungy 90s. And they did not get to grow up with me. <laughs> they, they, they ceased to exist yeah. in most of the cases. So, or they just got like ridiculous. Um, so that is really nice that you feel like it's funny, isn't it? Great art, and you know, it, you know, lots of people would be really snotty about this, but I think that great art, or when I'm reading a book that I think is when it feels like it's talking to you. Yeah. Even though obviously I, I know. I once went to see De La Soul at a music festival and I swear to God they were singing it to me. Uh, literally looking at me. Um, <laughs> but that's the skill of great art is to make people feel that it's for you. Like, oh, you're talking to me. Like, that is... Um, although I re- recently read a book that I'd spoken to the author about and it was about a member of parliament who gets loads of threats. And I was like, oh, I'm having that experience where I feel like this is talking to me because this is about me. <laughs> and then I... <laughs> It was considerably more freaky that way round. Um, but um, it's, yeah, I think that that's great art. Yeah, definitely. And it's a skill, isn't it? It is. It's a talent. Um, but yeah, she just seems really human and like really down to earth. I feel like fame hasn't really affected her. Like she's just such a badass and she just doesn't give a shit what other people think. And so like when I'm kind of in my head or whatever, I always just try and think like, oh, you know, be a bit more like her sort of thing, you know. Um, yeah, I just think she's awesome. I think she would probably say to you, uh, oh, don't be like me, I'm I'm rubbish. Like, you know, be like you, you're probably better. Like, that's the impression I get, that she doesn't have that much of a bob on herself. Yeah, I don't think she's got, she's she's not, yeah, I don't think she's arrogant. Like, I like, it's just one of those things I always think, like, I'm always talking about, like, creating a social media feed because, like, there's a lot of wankers online and Instagram Mm. especially. Like, look at me living my best life. Like, fuck off, don't care. Um, whereas I think she's very much like I'd love to have a pint with her and my philosophy is if I wouldn't have a pint with you in the pub I, w- I don't follow you on Instagram Yeah. Um, and I just would love to have a pint or ten uh, with her because I think <laughs> she'd be great fun I really do she wrote that the, the one recently and I'm basing this entirely on listening to the radio in my car uh, it's about her daughter Willow like, yeah t- yeah yeah about yeah. telling her daughter like you know I wasn't always this like she's literally saying that like I wasn't yeah. always brave and I wasn't yeah, always yeah. like like that I is love important that song. Yeah, that song gives song. me chills I actually did um, a video to that song so I went on holiday to Mexico recently and I was like I've never worn a bikini in my life like just didn't think that a bikini was for people like me and if I see people in bikini pictures then they're always like very slim and they've got their hair all done the makeup done 
So me and my size 26 frame, I just got on the beach, greasy hair, no makeup, and was like, here you go, guts out, fantastic. And then I did like a little video to that song because, and it is like, thanks to people like her that just give me the confidence to go like, oh, do you know what? You're a long time dead. Like we are, we are. Let's normalise normal bodies. Um, but yeah, I love, I love, love, love that song. I think it's awesome. It is awesome. Um... So empowering. Yeah, like, you know, isn't it? It starts, I wasn't born a renegade. That's right, mm. isn't it? Like, you know, and that's, uh, and people often are like, say to me, oh, you know, you're really brave and you do this, that, and the other, and like, how do you do it? And I, I just want to say, I, I wasn't born this, like, I'm, it's, there's nothing special, like, uh, about, like, anyone can be brave and, uh, like, brilliant, and we should just, trust ourselves a little bit more yeah um nobody is born like with some sort of innate on an innate pedestal mm-hmm. um it's really important to remember oh good good old pink lover oh and also you don't see a lot of her like life do you maybe i'm just not paying attention it could be the case no. i couldn't name a Kardashian. yeah no, yeah she doesn't share um you know what i mean like you know you don't see I, i'm not like aware of what she's going she's getting up to other than the music that plays on my radio she's yeah. not like she's not like kim kardashian and like yeah all of that lot yeah no she's i think she's all the kardashians private. are the same to me i've got to be honest i literally couldn't point one out in a lineup i think i could recognize somebody and say are they a kardashian but i wouldn't be able right, to tell you yeah. which one was which if my life depended on it which would be a weird situation to weird, be in, wouldn't but... it yeah <laughs> yeah which, is this kardashian <laughs> otherwise we're gonna kill you gun to your head we're gonna kill you <laughs> Your whole family. Kylie. Is there there even one called Kylie? I don't even know. I think Uh, so, yeah. And there's some Jenner ones as well. They're different. That's Kylie. Kylie's a Jenner. Kylie Jenner and is it Kendall Jenner? Yeah, they're two sisters. And then you've got the for it. I don't know. I I I really don't like to trash women or people, but especially women. But I can't fucking stand them. I, I have no strong feelings because I don't know really what they're... Get in they're, the bin. I don't know what they what do. do, they do? I don't know what they're about. Uh, I don't Nothing. really know. They're literally about looking fake and they talk like this and they're just like so vacuous and annoying. Honestly, just fuck off. Get a job. <laughs> Get a job. Do one. <laughs> My mum used to say, um, that person takes up space that could be filled with very beautiful furniture. That's a good one. That's a good one. Maria, Taking my stepmom says that could that, be filled with beautiful art. Yeah, that's good. Maria, my stepmom used to say that people are a waste of oxygen. Um, it's the same thing. Same thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, that that's probably a little a bit. Really harsh. useful chest of drawers could go where you're taking up that space, and that would be useful to the world. <laughs> Oh, I absolutely love that. I'm going to remember that one. <laughs> yeah, just just think that when someone's being rude to you, just think. A Welsh dresser would be more important to the world than you. <laughs> You'd have to be quite a big person <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to be taking up the space of a Welsh dresser. Like, <laughs> like beating the beast, you know, where the furniture comes to life now and they've got like these big broad shoulders. <laughs> yeah. A Welsh dresser person is really taking up far too much space. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have to sign off your letter to Pink. How would you sign off your letter to Pink? I think I would just be like, thank you so much for like the music and for keeping it real. And oh, I sound really cheesy and American, but like just, yeah, just a big fat thank you from me for like making life better and making fantastic music and making me feel 
like less alone and that it's also okay to be a bit weird and a bit of a freak because all the best people are aren't they oh all the people are one way or another all the people are a bit freaky one way or another i don't believe there's anyone who hasn't got like a weird thing they do that they wouldn't want anyone else to know about well laura it has been a total genuine pleasure to talk to you and i say that to everyone and i really mean it (laughs) when are you (laughs) whatever when are you gonna do your cbb's bedtime stories i got kids that would just be weird if i listened to that but you out you need to do that because of my voice to get people to sleep yeah yeah okay i'll I'll suggest it to the team of cbb's Do. It's Tom Hardy. It's his whole gig now. It's yeah. just Tom Hardy reads bedtime stories to middle-aged moms, essentially, is what CBB's bedroom hour has become, I think. Yeah, anything to get him through the day, I guess. <laughs> well, thanks for saying you like my voice. I think you might be literally the only person who's ever said that to me in my whole life. But uh, oh, you're welcome. I'll, I'll take it. Take it, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really no good worries. fun. It's my pleasure. 